2: Civilized man,
0: my took
2: it in the guts,
1: Barry. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three questions, and tickets? you go through that doorway to
0: the greatest of happy Annie here for Showreel, a look at the Australian film and moving image landscape. Today, two films. Film director Ian Watson talks to me first about a little gem of a film called Unsound, which is coming to screens around now. It has a romance as its central plot, but there is much more to this film, set in Sydney with a young musician drawn to a relationship with a deaf DJ. The second film, by Luke Robson, called A Small Punch in a Little Town, takes us into the belly of the beast that is a small town society. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. 855 AM. Unsound is a captivating film, fusing young love, the struggle for self-determination and community cohesion with the deaf fighting for a voice in our society, with the similar fight experienced by all people for a place in society. Not belittling the enormity of their work, but making it clear that we are all equal here. Stop hearing privilege. Quite refreshing, actually. I spoke to Ian Watson. Unsound is a terrific film, um, and one of the first things I wanted to ask you about was uh, the script. H- how did you get the script? Why did you decide? The script. From it?
1: The script. The, a lot of the work for the development of the film, because the film has been in development for about three or four years. A lot of it came through Ali Burnham and Suzanne Chambers, the producer and the writer, and they'd. I think Ali pitched the. Uh, Susan pitched the. Um, pitched the story. Um, several years ago, and I didn't, I came onto the production late in the piece um, before production started for various reasons. So it had been in development from some time through various stories that particularly Suzanne wanted to, ch- uh, to talk about concerning the deaf community. And so it's had a long kind of gestation in that way with funding from, I think, from the Gender Matters um, from the Australia, uh, um, Screen Australia. Yeah,
0: yeah. And because you've had 30 years of experience uh, doing theatre as well as um, film and television. I've so. had a long career.
1: Yeah. But I'm not very old, but I've had a long career. Um, so a bit on the, how I got involved, Suzanne... And I were colleagues at Afters in, 19, in 19, 2019, 2018, where we both did a postgrad in producing. And Suzanne was a um, colleague of mine. And she had this film in development. They'd had their funding. And they am about to move forward with it. And then she lost her director. The, uh, the director couldn't con- or didn't continue with the project. So she asked me whether I'd read it and have a look at it. And I read it and just fell in love with it and thought, yeah, I can and from years from um, years of doing television, you can kind of pick these things, and I thought I can make this work so then um you know, i took over I took over the reins of directing it about two months before pre production was meant to start
0: oh my goodness um one of the things that 's so remarkable and that 's one of the reasons for why I asked you about the script is that um you know when people make a film about say you know it 's about the deaf community or you know uh, yeah. a person who 's transgender or those sorts of things uh and uh, the relationship between the uh, young guitarist and his mother and uh, all those types of things. It's actually quite complicated. And what it what it means is it's not a... Um, uh, you don't focus particularly on all those things. It's like real life. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a 3D it's, approach. Yeah. The, I suppose when
1: I... The script has had a lot of change and a lot of working with it over the years, and at times the politics of the script, the politics of those communities represented has, has come to the fore. But I think by the time I got the script, it had been paired back to this romantic, uh, this love story where uh, the, the issues sit comfortably within a story yeah. rather than being about a political thing. And my aim with directing it was not to politicise the content, but just present it as a romance, present it as a really simple, well-told, organic, truthful story. So the issues are so complex. And really, how do you present such complexity? If you just present life, then those complexities will sit underneath it. And then the audience can have lots of discussion afterwards about what these issues mean and what these communities mean and how, um, you know, how being deaf or, or being queer, how these things or transgender, how these things kind of relate to life as whole. So it was um, that was that was kind of a determined thing to do with the, with the direction of it.
0: I thought it was fantastic. I really it was really strong. That's a really
1: strong oh, I mean, attitude. The reaction's been terrific. I'm so excited. I mean, tell people about it because you know it's getting a limited release. But I'd like to see it, and it was intended to go to the um, to the broader the broader market to the to the people who who aren't aware necessarily of. Or aware of but haven't experienced much of these communities because um, yeah, there's a huge there's a huge potential out there for a, a bit of awakening.
0: Yeah, well, so, of course, that gives all these potential actors who people aren't normally uh, used to coming onto screen. So, I, I mean, it made me want to go out and learn Aslan, I have to say. Auslan. Yeah, yeah <laughs>
1: Auslan, yes, yes. Well, that's Todd McKinney's story. Todd McKinney's been part of the... Um, LGBTQI community for a long time but he wanted one of his bucket lists I heard him saying was to learn Auslan. So he became a patron for the uh, Theatre of the Deaf and as a result of that started to learn Auslan. And he, he's remarkable in the film because to sign and to speak at the same time is incredibly complex because it's like you know tapping your head and rubbing your tummy. I'll
2: tell and you, it
1: was his experience as I, a gymnast that allowed him to do that.
0: Oh well, sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted because I, I, just recently I heard a quote from some people who are uh, Um, Auslan uh, speakers and uh, it's the wrong language really, speakers uh, but um, they were the comments that were coming from them was that they thought that people who speak are so uh, uptight and don't express themselves well enough You know, because (laughs) Auslan is so expressive. I've I've been noticing this at various things I go to. Sometimes I just watch the Auslan person because they are like a theatre in themselves.
1: That's right. And that is a lot of its facial expressions and a lot of it, they can make the sign. But it's often that some of the signs are so beautifully illustrative. They're just, it's poetry to watch, to watch it because it's such a visual language. So tell me, as you, you, as you notice in the film, yeah,
0: as you notice in the film, tell me about the uh, directing uh, people who are deaf. I mean, it does. I mean, it doesn't shy away from the politics
1: at all. That's yeah. Not, no, look, um, yeah. with um with direct with working with them, we had consultants through the process of writing. Um, because I uh, I don't identify with any of those communities that are represented in the film, and I but as a as a director of theatre and film, and I began in a um, background as um working in community theatre too, is I feel that I can represent people's voices by using consultants and asking people and embedding myself in that world. So through the final phases of rehearsal, through shooting, we had consultants there with us all the time on set. We had trans consultants, we had Auslan consultants, and we had Auslan translators on set. So when we had the deaf actors in and we were working with them, I'd be talking to the cast and my translator would be signing next to me all the time and when we had the group scenes, any time notes had to be given, I would have the translator standing there with me. So very much a part of the process was involving ourselves with the community because our bottom line is if we're going to make a film about this community, we have to represent them correctly.
0: You've got some name actors in there. You know, you've got people who people will recognise. So there's... Yeah, there's
1: Paula Duncan. Um, Paula Duncan plays... um, uh, uh, he's, uh, Noah's mum. There's uh, Rhys Noy, who's done Game of Thrones, and he's been quite a bit in uh, LA. There's Yana Pandelis, who's new to acting. She plays Finn, and uh, uh, she's fantastic. Uh, there's Todd McKenney, Christine Anu, who's done a bit of acting. So it's a it's a kind of a it's a good balance between experience and uh, newness, and people who are who, who new faces we we yet to see. Yeah,
0: yeah. So tell me about Giannis. uh because uh, she does identify as a girl, doesn't
1: she? Yeah, she um, she she's a she's part of the LGBTQI community. Oh, cool. Um, and she's deaf. Mm. Uh, she's not uh, she's not profoundly deaf. Uh, she does wear, wear hearing aids. Mm-hmm. And part of the casting battle was to find someone who identified the right way and was deaf. So that was that was a battle in the first place. And she's Melbourne based, and it kind of works that she. Uh, She's a girl, yes, Uh, and our film starts with Finn being a girl before the transitioning starts. So we felt we were quite in a safe place to be able to cast a girl in that role because the the film charts the beginning of that journey where the hair's cut and we start taking the steroids and we start exercising, we start that journey. So we felt as if we'd satisfied the need to properly represent the character of Finn by doing that. It was shot in Sydney, it was shot around Manly. And, and here's the thing it was shot two years ago. That's how long it's been.
0: Wow, I was going to say, how, shot it two years ago. how long did it take to do the shooting? I thought it was Sydney. It, shot, I mean, it
1: didn't seem We shot like for that. a month. You shot for a month? We shot for a month. Yeah. A 20 day shoot, and yeah, and all around and Manly and the club represented in the film is the Northern Beaches Community Club. And it is a community club that we uh, took over and turned it into a deaf rave club, dance club.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was really neat. Uh, tell me, uh, why did it take two years to complete?
1: Because we shot it, then we had to edit it, which took a while. And then because of COVID, um, it was release dates kept getting pushed. We decided first to put it in the overseas film festival. So it's done quite a few film festivals overseas and done well. It opened the first time it was screened was at the game uh, the the game Lesbian Mardi Gras last year in January it screened and had its first public reading then but public viewing then, but then it's taken that long now to get it into the cinemas because cinemas are just coming back in Australia. We've had a good run with the dry and a good run with um, I think penguin bloom starting and so it's taken that long to find its place in the market here to be able to put it open it at a time when the people were going back out into the cinemas because for a long time there the cinemas had been closed down and people, were, I think, were reluctant to go back into closed spaces. So it's taken that long just to be strategic and to place the film so will at least get an audience. And as independent films go, it's hard to kind of make that dent into the, um, into the market.
0: Yeah. Um, so tell me about the uh, overseas experience. Uh, you said it did well? <laughs>
1: It did well. It did. Um, I'll just I'll have to look for my for my notes here. Um, and a few of them we were invited to, but of course we couldn't get to oh, because of no. COVID. That's um, so a lot of the um, a lot of the possibilities for for the film in terms of. So it did um, locally. It did best Fe- Australian feature at the Melbourne Queer Film Festival. It did best locally. It did best fiction feature at the Atom Awards for this uh, last year, and was nominated for an actor award. But internationally it got into the Festival of Children and Youth in Vienna and it got into an international film festival in India. There's the Indian film, it's up to the Gandhi UNESCO prize. That was in in Goa, a Polish film festival. It got into a German the a German film festival uh, for youth. So it's done well in the youth and queer market.
0: I mean, it works as a film in general, and one of the as I said, one of the strengths of it. It's it's really quite refreshing to have films that aren't um, uh, painfully um, aware of someone's supposed social status as opposed to their personal status. If you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I think a. An overriding thumbnail for the film was that love is love, and it's not about the com- and it's a, the film is a kind of a search for identity and community, which we all have in different ways. And love is love, and it is where where you seek it and how it's returned to you. So we had, didn't want to make it too dark. We wanted to keep it accessible in terms of that you know sim- simple and romantic level.
0: Yeah, I thought it was lovely. I thought I, I really enjoyed it. I and as I said, oh, I, I was quite. Uh, uh, I I didn't know what I would get when I go went to see it, but um, I, yeah. I I thought it was very um, uh, refreshing
1: film. Like it's a really positive yes.
0: and refreshing film.
1: <laughs> oh, good. That's good. I hope I have it. I have it gets an audience. I really hope that the word of mouth is is starts because it's only like it's released next Thursday. Melbourne and Adelaide, and I think it's only playing at the Nova, Cinema Nova, and I'm not sure if it's playing in Adelaide, but if the word of mouth's good, then it'll get more screens, and it'll open up to a bigger audience. So we're fingers across crossed that people have the reaction that you've had, and, and, and people are having that it's, it, it's, it's a good film, and it's enjoyable, and it just makes complex issues understandable.
0: You're back with Annie on Showreel, and as promised, we speak with Luke Robson about his first feature, A Small Punch in a Little Town. It is showing this weekend on Friday 12th, 7pm and Saturday 13th, 2.30pm at Sun Theatre at Yarraville. However, the first session is sold out, so aim for Saturday. Here's my chat with Luke. Uh, First up, let's uh, talk about uh, your long career. You've been working in filmmaking for quite a while, haven't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, for a long time. I actually started off as a plumber, but um, as soon as I had my licence, because I lived in the country, and I could get to acting school. I started acting. So it was probably a bit later in life. I was 18, so when I had my license. But um, yeah, I've been pretty heavily into it since then. By the time I was 21, I decided to go over to Hollywood and I studied at Stella Adler in Hollywood. And that really, uh, really sparked my interest. And I've actually kept going there. i um, one of the guys that runs a the theater there is actually one of my best friends now that we met oh, geez, all those years ago, 20 years ago, so... What made you do that? I
0: mean, what, which part of the country did you come from?
2: Oh, I did my, I've, I've lived all over the place. I did my apprenticeship in Bacchus Marsh and I just, I, I was just always interested in in acting, just watching TV. As, was, I guess one of those people going, oh, I could do that and then one day the guy I was living with at the time said, well, look, there's some acting classes in Geelong and that was pretty close to Bacchus Marsh. I'm like, oh yeah, i have a go at it and then I made some good friends and just kept at it and, uh, then started, like a lot of people, I guess I picked up a bit, of, a bit of extra work, and then I picked up an actual couple of acting gigs, and I did a, a TAC commercial, and then that gave me a bit of money, and I thought, oh, well, I might as well, you know, let's go to Hollywood and see what happens there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. I mean, because the thing is that not everybody can act. It's not as easy as it looks, right?
2: Yeah, look, um, well, I, I've, I've been an acting teacher for 20 years. Of I've, I've, last couple of years I haven't, but... Um, I always think acting's kind of the wrong word for acting because as an actor, you're not really trying to, depends what sort of method you go down, I guess. So if you went down the, like the, the Stella Adler path, that's all imaginary. So you're really creating imaginary, imaginary circumstances and you're trying to find the truth within those imaginary circumstances. But in saying that, you're still finding a bit of yourself to fit within those characters. Whereas if you go down the method acting more, the Lee Strasberg stuff, um, it's really method. So you're really trying to tap into your own sort of thing. So, you know, as you, as you, if you're supposed to be in love, instead of like pretending to be in love, you're kind of like focusing on that time you were in love going, well, how did that make me feel? So um, it all depends. I, sometimes I think actors overcomplicate acting and, I think there's another whole discussion about that, to be honest. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah, Because we're saturated with so many acting schools, and I think everyone's trying to find their niche, where I think acting really just comes... It almost has to be something that comes quite naturally to you, that you're quite comfortable to be yourself in front of a camera and explore different parts of you in front of that camera to make it truthful.
0: Because I have been thinking about that myself, because I look at quite a lot of films, and, I, and I've noticed that... Uh, Often when something is very popular, often the characters that are in there are actually elements. People have been chosen because there's elements of them in the character that's in the film, you know, or in the play. Or... Yeah,
2: 100%. Like, like when Brad Pitt won, the, um, won all those awards for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like after his speech, he got up there and goes, oh, thanks, you've been, you awarded me for playing myself. You know, I'm getting stoned and taking my shirt off, <laughs> and I thought that was really funny because it's kind of a, that's who he is and that's what he did.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he really naturally. Um, yeah. But we're not here to talk about that. You've also been behind uh, in, behind the camera, and you've actually been in charge of making. You've made hundreds, they said hundreds of uh, short, or well, at least a hundred short films, uh,
2: documentaries, yeah. and all the rest. Yeah, of short it. films, plays, documentaries. yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, well, because I was an acting teacher, I, a lot of them were with my students, like making films over the years. Um, but even before then, I actually I actually learned to make films working with people with disabilities at the Gordon Tase in Geelong. So I did that for a few years, and and um, a few times a week we got together and just made films, and that really helped me um hone my craft like in in using cameras and editing and all that sort of stuff and then yeah over the years i just kept making short films and then probably about six years ago i had a couple of films that that people were really quite interested in they're like oh these, these are pretty good you should start entering into festivals so it was only a few years ago that i started entering some of my films into festivals which has been awesome because it's taken me all over the place i've um like I've had my film screened in in like from um paris to Rome New York, Las vegas, Hollywood, just all over the joint and um so it's been good I've sort of like teamed up. Uh, these festivals with holidays at the same time, so it's been a great way to get around and check things out. Although not so great for the bank balance.
0: Yeah, yeah, but still very <laughs> exciting. And, and um, the the thing, the reason why I'm talking to you now is because you have made your first feature film, and uh, you're going to, and it's going to be shown at the Sun uh, on Friday the 12th and Saturday the 13th so people should go along and have a look at it. It's got a great title, A Small Punch in a Little Town. I um, Tell us about it.
2: Yeah, so I wrote it three years ago. Uh, again, I had friends encourage encouraged me and said, why don't you have a go at making a feature film? So I wrote this film, and obviously not having, you know, a hugely funded film with a lot of budget, I had to find something that was both I was passionate about and something that was realistically that I could make. So it's all, it's all set in Locksport, where I've um, been visiting for the last 20 years. So I've had a holiday house there for the last 20, 20 years. And um, and it follows a young guy who uh, he, he uh, punches a guy and that, that guy then collapses to the ground. And then it turns out that the guy's really seriously injured and he's going to get in trouble. And then he decides he wants to do a runner. So then you've got the, the cops and a few locals who try and find this guy before he gets out of town. And it's a very small community. It's only um, it's only one road in and one road out. And if, even though the film has kind of a thriller suspense to it, it's very much a drama and uh it has a very strong message at the end and a very i'd say very powerful message, and probably what people wouldn't be expecting i can't really go into no the no because
0: give it away you give it but, away
2: yeah but it yeah but it it, it uh, i think it, it catches the few people have seen it have all really loved the ending because it it wouldn't where um it looks at it from a whole different perspective type thing. Uh, And we cover lots of different issues in there. We cover, like, there's lots of family dramas and how, within a small community, a lot of people are linked up in different ways and how a lot of people keep secrets away from their families and all these things get revealed through the process of it. How
0: long is it, the film? 82 minutes. 82 minutes. And how long did it... How long has it... It's taken you three years from the time you wrote it to... When did you shoot it? You didn't shoot it during COVID, surely.
2: No, no, I shot it two years ago. So uh, a year in pre-production... Um, and then uh, two year two years in post production. Yeah. And be, I, again, because we're not we're not able to work on it full time because we all have other jobs as well. So uh, you know, just in our spare time and all that sort of stuff. And, and plus, there was a lot of learning to do during it as well because uh, I uh, I wanted to have a really strong Australian soundtrack through it. Yep. And I was very fortunate enough for, for Sony ATV Music Publishing to help me out with that, and they they really hooked me up with some really uh, Great music and a great soundtrack, but all that whole process of licensing music was all new to me. So all that sort of stuff took time to learn. And I guess I'll be going into that same thing now, trying to move into distribution after I go through the film festival circuit. It's all kind of new, so um, I, I learned a long time. You can't rush this sort of stuff. Um, you know, uh, making a film can take a long time. If you want to do it right, you can't really can't really rush it. You just got to keep plugging away at it. And and I think that's one of the great things about life is always learning new things. So. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying that side of it. Well, one yeah. thing
0: I wanted to ask you about, because it is... Uh, I mean, you've had... Uh, doing a long film rather than a short film, but also uh, the thing about your... I mean, I know people, you know, think you're being wanky and stuff when you talk about vision, but I saw a film last night, which wasn't a bad film, but it was interesting because it was made by an actor and a lot of the uh, shots, the framing was uh, quite close... Uh, headshots together, two people together, two shots, you know. And it was interesting because that's not the general, uh, you know, like film is a vocabulary, right? It's a vocabulary. And and sometimes, so, for example, going back and looking at something like they shoot horses, don't they? Looking at its remarkable use of camera and editing, it's amazing because it's of a different period, right? What's your view on yeah. that? How did you learn? What did you learn about that?
2: The, the, I think really close shooting, really close headshots sounds more like TV. Um, I really when I think of film, I think of cinematography, um, and over the years making all these short films, can be very expensive to hire cinematographers, um, and because it's not just, not so much about hiring them, it's about um, hiring all the equipment. So over over the last I don't know probably more so ten years I've really learned to do all the cinematography myself and and I actually really really enjoy it um I, I read this thing ages ago that it says from my famous director I can't even remember who the director was, but it said that uh, the only thing that really matters is what's inside the frame when you press record and I think that's so true and and um and I read this other really good book where it starts talking about the color palette of a film and how you can really change people's emotions by the different colors. So I think going into this feature, what I enjoyed the most was really going into more detail about everything, about locations, why I have that locations, how, you know, always looking at it from the the wide shot, you know, how does this tell the story, well, you know, even from the colors of the clothes that people wear, everything like that. So I think, yeah, I think with with um, with film, it it it's a whole. It's not just the acting; it's like everything. It's it's. Uh, I have this thing like I know a lot of places teach hierarchy, where I'm the opposite. I think everyone needs to know their place, but I I think the runner is important, as the director as important, as the lead actor, as important to the dog that's on set playing a part. You know that that everyone um it need you need everyone to be focused on their job to create something beautiful. I hope this
0: answered your question. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was... And the other thing Definitely. that's really struck me about uh, filming is, and a film yeah. being successful, is the uh, p- uh, pacing. So what did you learn about creating pace?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah that's very true as well. And I... Um, I, I A pet hate for mine is I see, sometimes I see films and I think it's magnificent, but it's about half an hour too long. So I'm one of those people that don't like to be drawn out too long. With with this film, because I I don't have a huge budget, a lot of it is dialogue driven. So it's very quite pacey with dialogue. And then we have quite a lot of stuff in boats and cars and all that sort of stuff. So the actual pacing of the film is... um, is kind of always, um, someone actually watched it actually said to me, like that keeps you interested the whole time. But what happens when I gave all the actors and crew the script, I gave them the script in chronological order and it takes place over five days, but in editing, I've actually split up those days. So it's all, it kind of goes all over the place. You start at the start of day five and then you go to the start of day two, sorry, the end of day two, then day three, day four, and then back to day one and the start of day two and then back to day five. So I think having that option to be able to shift the story around like that has really helped me with the pacing of the film to actually really help to um, bring out the story and, and give people that time to take in what they have seen before we move to the next bit as well. It'll be interesting to see where all the, the, the cast and crew think too because um, what they're going to see is very different to what they read.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. So they're going to be there on Friday night, yep. is it?
2: Uh, yeah, a lot of them will. But yeah, this, that's our premiere screening. So um, yeah, I, like I said, only a handful of people have really seen the film. So um, it should be exciting for a lot of them. Oh, it sounds very exciting. Hopefully, you know. hopefully they enjoy it. It's kind of a bit, kind of a bit nerve-wracking for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happens when you work on a film for so long, you forget what you're looking at. And then especially like, with short films, it's a bit different because you can you know, pump something out pretty quick. But if you make a small change to a feature film. Um, it's a really long process. Like It's, it's like a 24-hour, process and then when you have to you know upload your next screen you have to watch it again so I think I've watched my film maybe 80 times I don't know if i stupid
0: <laughs> <laughs> well good luck I think it sounds great and let's hope you get a full house
2: yeah uh, well yeah the first that's why I had a second show so the first show sold out really quickly I think they rejigged to get a couple more seats in there and that's why we opened up a second screening because I had like cast and stuff that couldn't even get tickets to the first screening so oh, oh well, and that's luckily yeah, luckily Anna was able to hook me up with the Sun Theater for a second screening, so I'm very appreciative about that.
0: Yeah, good. So good luck. And obviously yeah. this is only the beginning because uh, quite clearly you're a man who's unstoppable. Oh,
2: uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of work making a feature. You know, I'm looking forward to the next bit. I really enjoy film festivals, so hopefully we get a lot of uh, uh, a lot of um, um, screenings at festivals so I can get around there. And, um yeah. And I'll yeah I'll keep working until we can get distribution on this. So I think it's worthy of it. So yeah I'll keep pushing it until I get too many rejection letters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much for joining me. Matt.
2: No worries, thanks. Bob.
0: Don't you know? Talking about a revolution mm, sounds like a whisper. Don't you know? Talking about the revolution mm, sounds like a whisper. While they're standing in the well lines, crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation, wasting time in the unorganized lines, sitting. Around